0: listening to brave girls club i'm Lindsay. i'm kelly
1: and i'm krista and, and this, this is, is a, a podcast. podcast i tried to do harmonies i didn't know you we were gonna do that so i just said it
0: yeah that was beautiful we, that wasn't planned really sorry beautiful, everybody i'm proud i think it
1: sounded great Thank actually you. so hello everybody it's been a while it's been a hot second We've had yeah. a real hard time. It's been a uh, rough summer.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just hard summer. It's... Ay, yeah. Get it?
1: Like the the rave festival? Yeah. <laughs> is it a, It's a rave.
0: With the be rave, real. whatever it is. Mm. Um, it's been a hard summer. No? It, never heard of that. It's been um hard. It's been, it's a been slice. hot.
1: It's been a summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, we're sorry about it, but we're here now and that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. It's time to focus on the future mm-hmm. and the present. And let's not focus on the past focus that's not healthy.
0: <laughs> present. Uh, yeah. I just quit my job today, so I'm all Woo! about that life. I am so excited for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because I know how it feels
1: to have a job. That is so frustrating. And the moment you finally can quit is just so relieving. I feel and so like a
0: humongous weight has been lifted off my shoulders.
1: Don't you feel like you can just do anything?
0: Yeah. It's but I'm amazing. also pretty sad because I loved the work. So it's like very bittersweet. Well, loved the work, didn't love other parts of it. The good news is
1: that you can go back and do it if you want.
0: I know, yeah. You don't even have to work
1: there to do that.
0: Yeah, I know. I definitely could just go and paint and be my happy self and not have to worry about anything. Yeah. Did you guys just have a ghost knock on your door? No, my mom's
1: vacuuming. Oh. (laughs) After the party. Oh. So.
0: I can't hear it, so if that makes any difference.
1: It made a little uh, blip on the... Yeah, it's picking it up a little bit. But it's okay. It's
0: okay. It's fine. Kristen and I are recording together because my mic cord broke. Could you bring it? I did bring it, so okay, I'm going to Okay, we test can test it. it later. Cool. All if right. that figured out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what's new? What's in
0: the news? Anything in the news? I saw Unfriended 2. Oh. <laughs> dark Web. And as you all know, I love the original Unfriended. Yes. Unfriended too is even dumber. Real, real stupid. I wish I could have seen it with you.
1: Yeah, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna see it. I like, I enjoyed Unfriended. Even though I didn't think I was going to, but I did.
0: It's like a fun ghosty slasher movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just silly fun. Yeah. And I like just the silly s- fun. The style of it being filmed on a computer screen or whatever.
1: Now, whenever yeah. we call like Lindsay over Skype, the Skype the ring. Skype ring is just so scary now. Yeah, because so. the ghost is like calling over Skype all the time.
0: Oh, is it the Skype ring? That little doo 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 doo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah, time yeah, I yeah. hear it,
1: it's so scary because the first time I actually like really heard
0: it was in Unfriended, the movie. I didn't realize that it's, like, the same... I wonder if Skype is getting any, like, royalties off of that, or They probably had must. to get permission
1: to, to use it. Yeah. So, doo, I'm doo, sure. Doo, doo. Unfriended
0: 2 has Skype and Facebook video calling. Oh. Ooh, dang. Oh, but it's really bad. I wouldn't recommend it. But... Did you get the good ending? I don't know which... I don't know what the other ending is.
1: I don't know either, but I know one of them's good and one of them sucks. Well, mine sucked, but it might have been the
0: good one. Oh yeah, you guys were telling me about like the alternate endings. How like there's like many different endings. How many are there? There's two. Everyone, just close your eyes and think of Saturday morning when you're like trying to sleep in, and your mom is like vacuuming outside your door, and you're like, "Mom, get the fuck out of here! I'm trying to sleep in. It's my one day off." Mom, she's like listening to music all loud on Saturday morning. That's what this, it's taking me back right now. Everyone, just close your eyes. Just take take back to simpler times. You're <laughs> to just those so annoying mad at your mom. Saturday
1: mornings, where yes. mom's blasting the In Sync Christmas album, <laughs> cleaning yeah. the house, and hitting the vacuum on your door while you're sleeping. Exactly. And then she opens it and she's like, "Are you gonna get up today? Rise and shine, good morning." Opens the blinds.
0: Like, yep, that's it no my mom would be like you gonna lay in bed all day why don't you do something look at your room why don't you get up that's my mom dang it's a beautiful day outside i used to wake up at 5 a.m on saturdays because that's when the cartoon started on nice. channel five and you have to wake up early if you want to watch johnny quest because they only play it real early johnny Quest. johnny quest <laughs> my brother liked johnny quest yep and garfield and friends played really early was that like PBS? It was KCET. Mm-hmm. Or wait, What's it was WB. Oh five. KCET five? Kids. That's it it cool. might have been. They played Didn't they play like the Batman
1: cartoon mm-hmm.
0: on that channel? Batman. Yeah, I remember my Batman photo. Beyond, X Men Evolution. Wow. I mean, I was into Pokemon, so I never missed an episode. Wow. What channel? What channel was Pepper Ann on? KC, ABC. ABC. But then it was on UPN in the mornings for a while. It mm. got syndicated fast. I liked Zoom on PBS. What was Zoom? It was, it was like, like. Is that the one with the kids and they're dancing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and they
1: like do experiments and stuff. Yeah. And that one it, girl Zoe with the glasses and blonde hair and pigtails and bangs is allergic to latex, so she couldn't do any of the balloon
0: activities. Aww. Yeah, they, uh, it was like a, <laughs> yeah. kind of like a, a janky Mickey Mouse Club, but for older kids, kind mm-hmm. of. It was, it was a moment. It was a moment. As they say. In TV history. It was a moment. PBS had some good shit.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember.
0: Yeah. <laughs> was Arthur on PBS? Yes, it was. I love Arthur. I. I can't remember the right way to say it now. Zumbumafu? Zumbumafu. Zumbumafu. Z- who says it
1: weird and healthy? Eric does, and he says it Zumbumafu. 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 He's wrong. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> ever, since,
0: ever, ever since you told us that that Eric says it like that, I'm always like, wait. Like, whenever I think of it, I'm like, wait, is it Zumbumafu or Zumbumafu? What is it? <laughs> It's, month ruined month. it's ruined me. It's ruined my life. Ever since you said that, it's ruined my, my life. My life has not known peace. Yeah, it really has. I'm like constantly confused at battle <laughs> what? with myself. Why are
1: you thinking about Zubumabu so much? <laughs> that's a
0: I good don't know. question. Don't you ever think of lemurs? They're cute. All the time,
1: yeah.
0: Well, oh, I know exactly why. Okay, there is this billboard that's right by the mall. This big billboard that's for the safari park in... In uh, San Diego, Mm. and like the main animal on it is a big lemur, and it says Africa rocks. And every time, (laughs) and every time I drive past it, I'm like, oh, it's like Zaboomafu. And then I'm like, wait, Zaboomafu? Zumboomafu? Zaboobafu? What is it? (laughs) Zumboomafu. So that's why I think of it because I drive past it like almost every single day to work. What
1: is the truth? We just don't know.
0: We'll never know. It has like that and like a, ko- no, not a koala. Some other like African animals <laughs> on there and it's koala, says- koala. Yeah. It just says Africa rocks. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, it's pretty funny.
1: Wow. So what was that?
0: That was Dolly jumping up on here. She wants oh, you to guys. show us her tapeworm she's in a she already got it out don't talk about it she's embarrassed by it i don't know she seems kind of proud yeah she's she just trying to show us she's like <laughs> she's like in crazy mode right now crazy cat, cat mode cats love showing off their beeholes. don't get a fucking kitten everyone out there listen to me <laughs> adopt
1: old cats uh, the LA shelters are completely full right now, by the way, if you live in the Los I know. Angeles area.
0: I saw that and it made me really sad. And, I, and it sucks because lately I've been, like, really, really, really wanting a dog. Like, especially a big dog. Mm-hmm. But, like, we can't have one because we live in an apartment. But I really want one because I miss having a dog because I've grown up with dogs forever. This is, like, the first time I don't have a dog in, like, forever. Mm-hmm.
1: And dogs I just really want work.
0: one. They're so cute, though. True. And there's this lady that lives, like, a few doors down from us that has the most beautiful mama pit bull I've ever seen. And she's out walking her, like, every day, like, 5,000 times a day. Like, I'm always seeing her out. And she's, like, all, like, that, like, light, like, tan. Like, that pit bulls are, you know? Mm -hmm. And she's real girthy. She's, like, real real I big. I love and a she's, beefy pit bull. Yeah. And she's so sweet and she has like this little pink color and her nipples are all long and she just like walks around. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm like that is a freaking mama right there.
1: Yeah. I mama. want one. I love I want how one. beefy they are. Like how are they
0: so thick? <laughs> I know. Look, I I even if I had log. one. If I had one I would just squeeze it all the time. Yeah like how do you even let go?
1: <laughs> They're so beefy.
0: Yep, (laughs) they're so beefy. (laughs) Freaking beefy burrito. A beefed up
1: dog is the
0: best kind. Yep, Mm. that's why we love Chester's butt so much because it's so beefy. He is very thick. He's got. He's dense.
1: (laughs) He's Uh, dense. Thick. Yes. (laughs) He's got that wagon. He does. He's got the wagon. wagon.
0: (laughs) That's my favorite saying.
1: (laughs) Because it does enter like after he does like he walks in the room and then the wagon comes after Mm -hmm. (laughs) so minutes
0: after the tweet yeah how you about to walk in a room and your ass gonna walk in five minutes later (laughs) oh that's a good one
1: shall we begin down to business no
0: i don't want to hear about awful things (laughs) just kidding i do are Are your your things
1: awful um, yeah, some of them are, but it's just kind of I don't know. Some up some of them are. Mine is a little awful. Well, it's pretty awful. So do you want to go first then?
0: Should I do my awful one first? Sure. Yeah, get let's, it out of the way. We'll get okay. the let's bad start news on, a, first. on a high <laughs> note. Alright. So this is the murder of Mark Kilroy. Dun, dun, dun. I don't think I know this one. Sound familiar at all? No? No. All right, so I'm going to put you in the mood here. Okay. It's March 10th, 1989. Ooh, I remember that. Ooh, almost my birthday. (laughs) Like five
1: years later. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The top song in America is Lost in Your Eyes by Debbie Gibson. Ooh, how does that one go? Do you know? I looked it up. I don't think I had ever heard it before, but it's like a... Like a slow song that you dance to at prom. Ooh. One of those. I think Ooh. I know that song, but I yeah. can't. Like, it's on the tip of my tongue.
1: With those, like, drums? the specific 80s drums? Like, twinkly pop
0: sounds? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm, love it. Alright. Okay. So, in most of America, it's still winter, but in Texas, the weather is warming up, and colleges are already beginning to let out for spring break. March Aww. 10th is the day Bradley Moore finished his exams at Texas A&M, early by all accounts, and headed to pick up his lifelong friend, Mark Kilroy, where he attended college at the University of Texas in Austin. Together, they drive to Santa Fe to pick up two more friends, Bill Huddleston and Brent Martin. Once the four of them had linked up, they made the nine-hour trek to South Texas through thick fog. Arriving at the Sheraton Hotel in South Padre Island just before midnight. That's a long drive. Nine
1: hours?
0: Nine hours. fog? Spring yeah. break,
1: dude. Honestly, that is scary. I'm scared. Spring
0: breakers. Anything for spring break. Texas fog. Weird. And
1: they listened to Debbie Gibson the whole way? Probably. Wow. Nine, nine hour loop on YouTube.com.
0: Yeah, Texas YouTube. fog is weird. <laughs> Did you write that? <laughs> I wrote it down, but it's true. I Texas, didn't make it up. Texas has fog. We get fog. I don't fog. see. I think it's mm-hmm. more just like a dirt. Like, <laughs> just that's dust. what I imagine. <laughs> dust. It's, just du- it's just dust. Like, that's what I imagine. Like, no, Texas we... doesn't have fog. It just has dust. We get fog here sometimes. And they are going to an island. Okay. Tropical fog. Ooh. I don't think it's an actual
1: island, but it's called South Padre Island. So it's like hmm. beachy. Okay, I'm not so sure. what happened when they got to the Sheraton? Okay, so
0: I guess they just went to sleep. The end. Okay, but first oh, thing the cool. next day, next <laughs> the four boys went straight to the beach, being that they were able to leave so early for vacation and spring break was only just beginning to let out for the season. The beach was relatively empty at first, but soon thousands began arriving in droves. Isn't Students not about a shark attack.
1: Is this the plot of Jaws? I've never seen Jaws.
0: You've never seen Jaws? You've never Jaws. seen Jaws?
1: I've only ever seen the, f- the first 15 minutes like five times <laughs> in no. film school. It's a really good 15 minutes. Yeah. That nope. movie's
0: really good. You should watch it.
1: I think I will. I watched uh, Deep Blue Sea different, the other movie. day. Very different. Similar? No? No. Okay. Jaws is Shark. extremely good. Shark? We should
0: all go see The Meg.
1: I kind of want to see it.
0: I saw the trailer. <laughs> Who does that have in it? It has, like, funny guy in it. Um, Mr. Funny.
1: Is that the one with the rock? No. Does it have, like, a like
0: a Jack Black or something like that? I don't know. I'll look oh, it up. Oh, yes. Is it? Is it, it John is not... C. Reilly? He was in that King C. Kong Cena? movie. Hang okay, on, anyway. I gotta look it up because it's gonna bug me. Hang okay. on, I have to look it up right now. Yeah, you Hang guys on, can everyone. look it up. Hold your friggin' horses.
1: <laughs> Wait, you can continue. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah.
0: So, students from all over the U.S. came to the island for spring break. Beer sponsors staged huge events, including free movies, concerts, surf events, and even gave vacationers free calls home. Because I was. Oh. I was I was thinking of Rain Wilson. It's a Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson, yeah, yeah. Mr. Sorry, Funny. go ahead. Okay. So they like would give people free calls home because people didn't have cell phones or whatever. So Mark took advantage of this and made a free phone call home to his parents that day. Mark Kilroy had turned 21 just six days prior. He was a tall, handsome dude with one of those fluffy, 80s-looking mullets mm, that cool. people used to have. Like Dave Coulier? Uh, not curly, like fluffy, like feathered. Mm, mm. Okay. Yeah. But good reference. Thank you. Mark excelled both in academics and athletics as a teenager and played baseball, basketball, and golf with his friends at school. He was in the Boy Scouts of America and an honors student at Santa Fe High School, where he was a member of the student council and graduated 14th out of a class of 210 students. After high school, he attended Tarleton State University on a basketball scholarship before deciding to transfer to University of Texas, Austin to become pre-Med and start preparing for his MCAT. So this guy's got plans. That's impressive. Yeah. Bright future.
1: Yeah. So bright, he has to wear sunglasses.
0: And he probably did. Because wow. it's spring break. And the 80s. And the 80s. You gotta wear your sunglasses at night. Okay. So the next Good day... Good one. Thanks. More 80s <laughs> references. I love it. So the next day was when the boys began developing a daily routine. They'd wake up, go down to the beach, lay in the sun, tan, grab some lunch around noon, and then attend the daily uh, Miss... South Padre Island Miss Tanline contest. I googled this and <laughs> the best thing I could find was from a 1990 issue of Texas Monthly. Uh, what the contest entailed was getting a handful of young women on stage in their bikinis. They show off the shapes and sizes of their swimsuits to show a little like peak below. Like, oh, look at my ten line. Oh, my God. And then eventually the crowd of mostly men begins chanting tits, tits, tits. And then one by one, the girls start taking off their bikini tops. And then everybody, like, cheers and stuff. And
1: then their boobs are out I'm feeling PTSD from that time I accidentally went to the biker
0: rally It reminded me of that (laughs) Yep, right This whole time I've been like, is Krista going to tell her a biker rally story? (laughs) Krista saw some old biker lady boobs
1: They were actually all young, but all the old people in the audience were like the bikers And it was really uncomfortable I didn't know it was a biker rally when I got there Anyway Fun What happened next?
0: So the crowd starts cheering or whatever, and then they start chanting, bush, bush, bush. And then they take off their bikini bottoms. Oh my gosh, wow. In it to win yeah. it. Naked ladies Committed. on a stage. Like just at a beach in Texas. So pretty standard for a spring break from what I understand. Uh, the girls would really? get it. Well, I don't know. People show their vages all the time on I don't spring know. break. Wow. I've never been to a spring break. I don't think they like spread their legs or anything, but... They took their pants off all the way then they started chanting labia 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 <laughs> and then no. she's like all right boys <laughs> oh no <laughs> just to take it a step further so the girls like win prizes and stuff and it was sponsored by andy's beer so probably like beer t-shirts and shit like that so after the daily Miss line contest, the boys would go out and party. Sometimes at South Padre Island, sometimes crossing the border into Mexico and partying in Matamoros. They would hook up with groups of girls from other schools, other friends, and Mark even ran into an old fraternity brother at one point. So that was their spring break routine: uh, wake up, beach, lunch, boobs, then drink and party. <laughs> <Oops>. And yeah. <laughs> Boring. Typical college. Blech. Boobs. March 13th was much the same. After the boys attended Miss Handline, they went to a house party in the area for the afternoon. Then, at around 10 p.m., the boys headed back to Matamoros. They drove to the border and crossed into Mexico on foot. The main street in Matamoros was Alvaro Obregon Street, which contained most of the bars, restaurants, and shops. ...and other tourist attractions. On the night of the 13th, Alvaro Obregón Street was teeming with thousands of Spring Break tourists there to take advantage of Mexico's inexpensive alcohols and lax drinking laws. Every bar in sight had a line leading out the door and into the streets and sidewalks, so the boys decided to start at the bar that had the shortest line. So after a few drinks, they decided to move on and go to somewhere a little crazier... So they ended up going to a place called London Pub, which was rebranded as the Hard Rock Cafe for some reason. <laughs> okay. And it, the four boys stood at the bar while other drunk patrons were throwing beer down into the street from the bar's balcony. Mm. Yes,
1: you wait in the big long line to buy a beer and then throw it. Yeah. Stupid. That's
0: spring break for you. The scene there was wild. Wild. So, there inside the bar, Mark met a group of girls and chatted them up long enough that his friends lost track of them. Around 2 a.m., Bill suggested the group head back to South Padre Island. As the group stepped out of London Pub, they saw Kilroy leaning against a car and talking to a girl from Miss Tanline. Across Alvaro Obregón Street, thousands of tourists were leaving the bars and heading back to cross the border, but others moved in different directions and the large crowd of people made it difficult for Mark and his friends to walk across the border uninterrupted and in a group. Bradley and Brent separated from the group and walked to Garcia's, a popular restaurant store close to the border. Mark stopped at the steps of a house on Alvaro Obregón to say goodbye to the girl from Miss Tanline, then waited at the steps for Bill while he ran into a nearby alley to pee. By the time Bill came out of the alley and caught up to the other two near Garcia's, Mark Kilroy was gone. Uh Uh-oh. Hey, Mark, stop fucking around, Bill called out into the streets, but Mark was nowhere to be found. His friends searched for him for hours, even after the bars and shops had closed and the streets were cleared out. At around 4.30 a.m., they stopped the search and crossed the border, Thinking Kilroy may have crossed already and was perhaps waiting near the parked car. Uh, He was not at the car. They waited for Mark a few more minutes uh, before heading back to South Padre Island. They were hoping that he was at the hotel. He was not at the hotel. They woke up the next day when Mark was still not there. Uh, They contacted the police to report him missing. The search for Mark initially was like a routine missing persons investigation. Students that were reported missing in Matamoros would often turn up in the following days with a hangover and blurry memory of what had happened. Mark was one of 60 people who had disappeared in Matamoros in the first three months of 1989 alone. Wow, spooky. However, his case drew more attention in the U.S. because his uncle, Ken Kilroy, worked at the United States Customs Service in Los Angeles. So his mm-hmm. uncle like linked up with Mexican agents to like work together and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they originally suspected that his disappearance was foul play. They speculated that Mark could have been the victim of a drug-related, like violent attack or of a, mm-hmm. a robbery killing. But there were, they were short on leads, uh, to make any firm conclusions. When when Mark's friends reported the disappearance, customs agents went with them to Matamoros to help retrace their steps. Texan officials contacted the U.S. consulate in Matamoros and asked investigators to carry out a search with Kilroy's description uh, in like the jails and hospitals there. They didn't find him. They hired a hypnotist to see if he could figure out some clues under okay. hypnosis. Bradley stated that he saw a young Hispanic man wearing a blue plaid shirt with a visible scar across his face talking to Kilroy before he disappeared. He recalled that the man walked up to Kilroy and told him, Hey, don't I know you from somewhere? Though Bill said he was not sure if Mark ever responded. So investigators deduced by the story that Kilroy was kidnapped. Um... And they thought that he might have been, like, kidnapped for ransom, but they hadn't heard from anyone yet, so they were just like, I don't know, or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. They dragged the Rio Grande River, didn't find him. Uh, During the investigation, Kilroy's parents headed to the Rio Grande Valley and uh, circulated more than 20,000 handouts throughout the region and offered a $15,000 reward to anyone who could help locate their son. Uh, Texas, officials told Kilroy's parents that they were planning to talk to Tamaulipas, Governor Americo Villarreal Guerra, and get people from Matamoros more involved in their son's disappearance. Uh, People from Kilroy's hometown came to search, hand out flyers, help out. Uh, Mexican federal police were on the case uh, because they, like, distrusted the local police for some reason. Mm, and. It's like a huge manhunt, and nobody is finding anything. Hmm. I wonder when they if
1: when they dragged the river, like if they found any other bodies. Maybe so.
0: Just like dumb drunk people who drown. Mm Mhm. Or get murdered. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Say or other murders. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now they got to deal with other murders. They probably just left them there. Like we don't have time for this.
0: They find like a shit ton of bodies, just none of them (laughs) are Mark. Oh well. They just throw him back in. (laughs) Not Mark. (laughs) On March twenty sixth, the case was highlighted on America's Most Wanted. Uh, Oh. this, This gave the case nationwide notoriety and generated several phone calls and letters with people giving clues on Mark's whereabouts. However, the police stated that none of the leads generated were solid enough to pursue. A few days later, Mark's parents returned home to Santa Fe, Texas. Santa Fe residents raised money through garage sales and car washes to help the Kilroy family continue their search. In late March, Mark's parents went to the University of Texas at Austin to officially withdraw their son from school. That's so sad. On April 1st, 1989, 18 days after Mark's disappearance... Mexican state authorities were stationed at a routine checkpoint near Santa Elena when they saw a vehicle that ran through the checkpoint without stopping. The vehicle had crossed the international border from Texas and sped through Mexican Federal Highway 2, which connects Matamoros and Reynosa-Tamalipas. The man driving the vehicle was Serafin Hernandez Garcia. Instead of turning on their police sirens, the police decided to follow the truck Using an unmarked vehicle, they were then led to a remote ranch and pulled off at a distance. After about thirty minutes, Seraphin took off from the ranch and headed back to the city. The officers disca- decided to make their move to the ranch. In a quick search, the police discovered cult paraphernalia and marijuana traces. What? Weeds, baby. The weeds. The dooby dooby smoking weed. Wacky tabacky. That's bad news. Instead of arresting Serafin, the police decided to continue gathering more evidence on the suspected criminal activities at the ranch, and the organized crime members thought to be stationed at the ranch. They used informants in Matamoros to inquire on drug family activities at the ranch known as Santa Elena in order to make a series of crucial arrests. On April 9th, they returned to Santa Elena Ranch with several other policemen and arrested Serafin, his uncle Elio, uh, David Cerna Valdez, and Sergio Martinez Salinas, and Domingo Reyes Bustamante, the ranch's caretaker. While in custody, the detainees were very relaxed. They were sent to prison while the police interrogated a caretaker at the ranch. This person revealed to the police that the ranch had frequent visitors from Seraphin's criminal group. He was shown a photograph of Mark Kilroy and stated that he saw him at the ranch. Yeah, the caretaker told police, I saw him. And then he pointed to the shack at the, at the far end of the ranch's property. Oh, no. On the night of March 13th, while Brent and Bradley were exploring the Matamoros shops, and Bill was relieving himself in an alleyway. Mark Kilroy was left alone in the busy street, standing by himself on a building stoop. Mm. It's unknown how long he stood there waiting, searching the crowds of strangers, hoping to see his friends. What is known is that Seraphin Hernandez Garcia was there with his friend Malio Fabio Ponce Torres. They drove down the street in a red truck and called out to Mark, asking if he wanted a ride home. Mark approached the truck. No one knows what Mark was thinking. Maybe he didn't hear them and moved closer to talk. Maybe he thought his friends had left without him and he did want to ride. But before Mark could say a word the two men, to the two men, they grabbed him, forcing him into the truck. They started to drive off, but Mark was smart and strong. At one point, he was able to break loose and make a run for it. But he didn't make it far before being intercepted by a second vehicle full of people working with Seraphim. Mark was taken at gunpoint, subdued, and handcuffed in the back seat of the second car. The gangsters drove Mark through the back streets of the city past an industrial area. The number of bars and vendor stands in the street began to thin out as they drove Mark through a highway in the city's outskirts. The strange man then turned to a dirt road that stretched between two cornfields. When they got to the private ranch known as Santa Elena, they left Mark inside the car overnight. Shortly after dawn, the ranch's caretaker went to see Mark and fed him bread, eggs, and water. About 12 hours after Mark was kidnapped, Serafin's boss, the leader of the Hernandez family drug gang, a man known as Constanzo, came to see him. Constanzo and his men wrapped Mark's face and mouth with duct tape and walked him through a field to a shack at the end of the ranch's property with his hands still cuffed behind his back. Throughout the day and night of the 14th, Mark was tortured and raped inside of the little storage shack. At daylight the next morning, Mark was led outside and with a machete, Constanzo chopped hard at the back of Mark Kilroy's head and neck until he was dead. Wow. Oh my god. The men, however, were not done. Mark's brain was then removed from his skull and boiled in a naganja, an African metal pot that Constanzo used to stew human and animal remains. Mark's legs were chopped off above the knees to facilitate an easy burial. A wire was inserted in his spinal cord in order to pull the bones out of the corpse once his body had decomposed underground.
1: Oh Ew my god.
0: What? The cult members then dug a hole on the grounds and buried Kilroy's corpse. Fast wow. forward back to April. At the police station, the officers interrogated Seraphim separately where he confessed to aiding in Mark's murder and that other people were killed over the course of several months at Santa Elena. Serafin then identified Constanzo as the head of the group. He said that Constanzo had ordered the slayings as part of a sacrificial ritual and that he believed that sacrificing his victims, those doing the sacrifice were ensured strength, abundance and immunity from law enforcement and injury. Mm-hmm. That worked. <sighs> it worked for a while. Specifically, he said that Mark was chosen at random because Constanzo had ordered his men to find a white Anglo male to sacrifice. He said that Mark was killed by Constanzo with a machete blow and that his body was buried at the ranch. Serafin agreed to take the police to the exact spot where Mark was buried, which was marked by a wire piece coming out of the dirt. He stated that the wire was attached to Kilroy's spinal cord so they could pull the bones and wear them as necklaces after the body decomposed. Oh my god. On April 11th, the police took Serafin and the four other suspects to Santa Elena and asked Serafin to show the police where Kilroy's and others' bodies' remains were kept. Uh, That afternoon, the five suspects were forced at gunpoint to spend several hours digging up the graves... Once Mark's corpse had been exhumed, the police observed that his legs were missing. Serafin explained that the amputations were not a procedure of the ritual, but were done simply to make burial easier. After digging up all the graves, the suspects had unearthed 15 mutilated bodies, including Mark Kilroy's, all males who had been killed over a period of only nine months Kilroy's corpse was officially identified after police matched his dental records with some of the teeth found at the scene. Investigators concluded that most of the victims were rival drug dealers of Constanzo's and not random sacrificial victims of the cult. Three out of the 15 bodies were never identified. At Santa Elena, the Mexican police also seized 243 pounds of marijuana, four ounces of cocaine, 12 firearms, including three submachine guns, and 11 vehicles, some equipped with telephones. Inside an iron pot, investigators discovered remains of human brain, a goat's head, chicken feet, a turtle, several herbs, a horseshoe, and coins mixed with animal blood. On April 12th, the five detainees were taken to the headquarters of the Mexican Federal Judicial—sorry, Pro- uh, the Mexican Federal Judicial Police in Matamoros—for uh, an informal press conference. More than 250 international journalists arrived at the scene to take pictures and ask them questions. The four suspects were paraded from the building's balcony and were allowed to answer questions from reporters. Elio stated that he was an ordained executioner under Constanzo, and that Mark Kilroy was murdered by Constanzo. As the cameras zoomed in on the suspects, Elio lifted his shirt to show his membership scars on his shoulders, back, arms, and chest. These were arrow-like cuts made with a hot blade. The marks were given to selected cult members with the authority to perform human sacrifice. Two weeks after the bodies were exhumed from Santa Elena, the Mexican federal police returned to the ranch early in the morning to burn down the shack and lay a wooden cross above the ashes. Reportedly, the police took a curandero to purify the shack before burning it down, which is like a, a priest or like a shaman type guy. The curandero went inside the house, said prayers, sprinkled the floor with salt, and concluded by making the sign of the cross. The police then proceeded to spray gasoline around the shack before setting it on fire. The Mexican government offered no official explanation for their actions, but a source close to the investigation stated that the police's motives were supernatural in nature. They said that they knew the shack meant a lot to Constanzo, and burning it would make him go insane. The next morning, Constanzo reportedly went into a rage after the arson was shown on national television. And that's all I have. Oh my gosh. I don't think he was ever caught, or it took a long time to catch him. I can't believe I haven't heard this story on, like, another podcast before. Or thing. like, I've never heard of this. Wow. That was really scary. Cult
1: stories are just so insane to me. Like, they got I away always with think, it for... like, whenever
0: I think of cults that, like, I'd obviously... I'd be, I would never be in one, but, like, I'm sure if it was just, like, the right person at the right time, my ass would be brainwashed so quick...
1: Yeah, it happens to smart, like, (laughs) regular people every day. It sounds like this was just,
0: like, a drug gang Mm -hmm. that did a bunch of coke, probably, and then the leader just started doing, like, weird sacrificial stuff. So it wasn't, like, a culty cult that, like, recruits people. Mm -hmm. It was more like a gang that killed people and put their brains in cauldrons. Yeah, that's very strange. (laughs) Wow, their brains in cauldrons. Are we talking about real life? Hello?
1: Yeah, for (laughs) real.
0: It's a pretty wild story. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very scary story, thanks to the nightmares, Kelly. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we hadn't had, like, a real scary bad one like that in a while.
1: Yeah, and, like, for no reason. Like, it seemed like it was pretty much, like, they just picked them. For no reason. Yeah. Really. Which is the scariest thing of all. I feel like
0: that's what happens most times. Yeah. I don't think usually there's, like, not a good reason to, like, put someone's brain in a cauldron. Yeah. So. Never really good. I, I, I can't think of one. No. <laughs>
1: Unless
0: you're gonna eat it. Or do a spell. I think they were- Or do a spell. <laughs> they were trying to do spells. <laughs> mm, didn't work. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Krista, are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Batter up. So this week,
1: mine is just a collection of little stories that I found, but they all have the same theme. So I found these all online on like Reddit and stuff like that in those little like list listicles or whatever. Uh, but these are all deathbed confessions.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm scared.
1: Okay. So, I think I have like 5 or 6 of them. So, we'll just start with number 1. And I didn't write down any of the like names of the people who wrote them in, but they're okay. all from like a Reddit like Ask Reddit or something, you know, like or whatever. Okay, so number 1. I had a hospice patient who asked everybody, "Is it December 13th since mid-November?" She had been asking this Oh since mid November she had been asking this. We'd hear this question multiple times every day and just assumed it was a family member's birthday or something. December thirteenth finally rolls around, and that's the day that she dies. Whoa oh, <laughs> She knew. Spooky. Old people are scary. Jesus told her. <laughs> Someone told her. Uh okay, so in the next one. Tor Hepso, a convicted felon with a long history of violence, was dying in a hospital in 2005. He asked a nurse to invite police to his room, and when they got there, he confessed that 30 years earlier, he had raped and killed two girls named Sigrid Higheim and Torin Finstad. Upon further investigation, it turned out that a man named Fritz Mohn had, been served, or had served 19 years in prison for the crime. <gasps> and had died a few months earlier while serving the sentence.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Uh, So that guy, Fritz Moen, was posthumously acquitted. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, he served, like, a life sentence for a crime he didn't commit.
0: Too little, too late. Yep.
1: Anyway, (laughs) on November 12, 2004, Geraldine Kelly was on her deathbed dying of cancer, when she confessed to her children that she had murdered their father. Previously, she had told them that he died in a car accident. And although they thought it was strange, they never questioned her when she refused to tell them the location where he was buried. Massachusetts State Police confirmed her confession when they uncovered the remains of John Kelly in a storage locker. An autopsy revealed that Geraldine had shot her husband in 1991 or 92, and then stuffed his body into a freezer where it remained for eight years before she packed up the freezer containing the body and took it with her when she moved back to her hometown of Somerville. And it was there for the whole whole time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow. Until
1: she confessed in 2004, so that's a long time. He might have deserved it.
0: Did she say whether or not um, he deserved it?
1: I want to say that he was not a nice guy. Yeah. I want to say he wasn't a nice guy. <laughs> so, is there any evidence or you just I you think, just want to say? I think I read that like he wasn't He's a bad dude. Yeah, he wasn't a very good guy, but I might be mixing it up with someone else. All right. Let's just There's go a ahead lot of bad say. guys in the world. <laughs> yeah, like you don't just shoot your husband, you know. Like why? Anyway, shortly after he was diagnosed as suffering from the final stages of heart failure, a few weeks before he died, my grandfather told me several stories about World War II that changed my view of him, and of war in general. Now, before I start, I should tell you that my grandfather was one of the kindest men you'd ever meet. Always friendly, never drank, the kind of guy who gave the shirt off his back to those who needed it and handed out the biggest candy bars in town on Halloween. That's very important. <laughs> everyone everyone loved him. So shortly after D-Day, my grandfather was part of a 12-man rifle squad fighting in northern France. As his unit entered a seemingly abandoned village, they were ambushed by a squad of Germans and the unit was torn apart. They won, but by the end of the fight, only three of the Americans were still alive and one of them was badly wounded. The squad leader and his assistant were dead. The two unwounded soldiers swept the battle scene And hauled three badly wounded German soldiers into the middle of the street. My grandfather looked at the other American soldier, said no prisoners, and cut the throat of one of the Germans right there. He said he almost puked because there was way more blood than he was expecting. His partner lifted his rifle to shoot the other two, but my grandfather stopped them. He said that there may have been other German soldiers nearby and didn't want the gunfire attracting them. So they dragged the other two into the shallow ditch on the side of the road with about six inches of water in it and stood on the German soldiers' heads until they drowned. Oh, my God. Wow. After that, he said he hated Germans. He confessed to a number of war crimes, including shooting German civilians and killing German soldiers who were trying to surrender. Apparently a not (gasps) uncommon occurrence. (laughs) That's insane. But the worst... He told me that he only felt guilty about one thing he'd done. In early 1945, his new squad was going through a small German village when he and a couple of other guys kicked in the door to a small house. Inside was a small old German woman in a wheelchair. Who, no. Who immediately started screaming and cursing at them in perfect English. My grandfather kicked her wheelchair over, rolled it out the door, And then knocked an oil lamp over as he left the house with his partners. She burned to death. He looked at me with cold eyes and said, That was too cruel. She was an old woman. I should have just shot her. (gasps) (laughs) That that gave me chills. And my last story. My Mexican husband's aunt confessed to him on her deathbed. That she spiced her tacos with Kroger brand taco seasoning. But that's worse. <laughs> that's worse. That is atrocious. Oh
0: my goodness. So there's my story this week. What loved that? What the
1: fuck, Grandpa? I know. Jeez. I know. I don't know. Just don't know about old people.
0: Glad I don't have any grandpas.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness! Yeah, you never know. You never know with a grandpa.
0: Yeah, that was good. I like the little short stories. That was fun. Little fun pack. Thank you. Thank you. What you got, Lindsay? Pack. Little snack pack. It's like those box of chips that you get at the grocery store that's got all the fun fun little bags of chips in it and you get to pick out which which one you like to eat one is war crimes and one is kroger tacos (laughs) taco flavor okay so i'm also doing like a list type of situation dang i didn't get the memo sorry (laughs) um it's because you actually like to research and i'm was being lazy. <laughs> Mine was hella long. That was I fascinating though. though. So I'm doing weird stuff that people found uh buried in their backyards.
1: Ooh.
0: Ooh. Alright. Y'all know me. Okay, just kidding. Um so this one I feel like everyone knew this. I knew about this. But the first one is a Ferrari. What?
1: I don't know about this. No? I haven't heard you this. You don't know
0: about people burying their cars?
1: No. Why would you do that?
0: A lot of people, like, in, like, older times, like, I think, like, in the 50s and 60s, like, if they had, like, unworking cars, they would bury them in their backyards.
1: Mm, that seems, wrong, like, weird. I don't That's get a it. a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. In February 1978, the Los Angeles Times reported a shocking story. Or maybe I just know this one story. I don't know. I'm um, sorry. Uh, the Los Angeles Times reporting a shocking story. Two Los Angeles children found a... Uh, t- I don't know anything about cars. Two sixty-four GTS Ferrari which had apparently been stolen several years earlier, buried in their backyard. it was stolen. The Ferrari, yeah. The Ferrari claimed, uh, the Ferrari claimed the reporter was in shockingly good condition with only a small hole over the right taillight, um, which is very weird. Uh. Whoa. Um. What? I looked up a picture of the car. It's neat. Oh, yeah. It's a neat one. It's pretty weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. As it turns out, the story behind the Ferrari is a little more complicated than that. It buried itself. (laughs) Yeah. In 2012, Mike Spinelli um, contacted one of the detectives that worked in the case back in 1978. The detective, Dennis Carroll, claimed that a Snitch tipped off police about the location of the car. The story about the two kids finding it was a plant to shield the snitch's i to seal, or no, sorry, to shield hello the snitch's <laughs> identity. I don't like that it's called it a snitch, oh. anyways. Um, <laughs> the dirty rat. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, this is from Ranker, by the way.
1: Love a good of Ranker the one that I do.
0: Yeah. And the snitch alleged the car wasn't exactly stolen. The original owner hired a few guys to stage the crime so he could collect the insurance money. The police could never prove it, though, so the owner was never charged. And as for uh, the Ferrari's condition when it was dug up, it was an absolute wreck a pa- uh, passionate mechanic got his hands on it, did some extensive uh, restorations and it is still and is still driving it around today. Oh wow. Happy ending on that one.
1: Yeah, How that much car
0: got to drive. <laughs> Let's
1: bury my Fiat
0: <laughs> for the insurance money. Heck yeah. Okay, um the next one is a cemetery from the 1700s oh no that's bad yeah some poltergeist shit in 2011 vincent marcello a man living the, a man living in the french quarter of new orleans which is already like a spooky place true um attempted to dig a hole for his new swimming pool instead he accidentally unearthed an 18th century graveyard oh, that happens the, a lot yeah, The historic cemetery came complete with 13 caskets full of human remains, as well as a healthy supply of the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> uh-huh. Marcelo was aware that his property had historic ties, but until the discovery of the cemetery, he didn't know just how deep the history went. If you find a dead body in your backyard, but it's like really old, like 300 years old, can you just throw it away?
1: Um <laughs> uh, just throw it in the garbage. I don't know about that, but I know if you find like fossils in your backyard, they're yours. Like you legally own them. Nice. So you get to
0: decide what to do with them. I think that's pretty cool. I put that in the trash cuz I don't believe in no <laughs> dinosaurs. Yeah, the devil put them there to trick us.
1: Yep. Literally, someone came to my school when I was in community college and did a presentation like that about how fossils aren't real. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Poor thing. And my my sociology teacher was like it she arranged that guy to come because she was like in in charge of like the Christian club or something on campus. Oh. And fuck? she gave us extra credit to cuz she like canceled our class cuz it was at the same time and she gave us extra credit to come to it. So you're telling me that that the professor also believed yes it seems that way
0: Mm -hmm. oh no (laughs) yeah that's sad (laughs) i
1: know because she was such like a very like in in class she was social sociology professor she was very progressive and like i thought she was very smart and i liked a lot of her opinions about things and she then like she did that (laughs)
0: Maybe she did it so you could see the other side. I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's why. And just... An old friend of mine who was raised very Christian found out when she was in her 20s that dinosaurs were real. <gasps> oh, And she, she thought How that... How do you do that to your children? I don't know, but she thought that, like, the skeletons in museums were just scientists approximations of what dinosaurs could look like. Why? Like, I oh, don't know. That's
1: very strange. But like that's also kind of magical. Like yeah.
0: To learn as, as an, an adult. adult <laughs> yeah, as an They're adult, real? yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So maybe wow. it was a gift. Okay, you guys want to hear the next I one? Sure yeah. Do. Okay, so the next one is a mammoth bone. Ooh. Just There's nothing like going out to pick some fruit in your backyard and somehow coming back with a woolly mammoth femur, that's but that's huge. exactly what happened to this Iowa family. It's literally huge. There's a picture of the guy holding it. It's freaking huge. How big is it? But that's what? How big is it? Um, it's like maybe as tall as he is. Holy wow. shit! So it's man-sized. Maybe it's probably a little bit shorter, actually. Anyway, so it's women's um, So it happened to a family in Iowa in 2010. After the astounding discovery, scientists at a local university at, <laughs> what at a local <laughs> university <laughs> determined that this bone was about 12,000 years old and did in fact belong to a woolly mammoth. Wow. I love a good old bone. Does it say what they did with it? Yeah, gotta love a big bone. Nope. That's the end of that story.
1: I wonder if they made bone broth with it. Ooh. (laughs) Eat it. Eat it. Imagine. I'd I'd drink that juice. (laughs) Drink the juice. (laughs) Drink the
0: juice. Wow. Okay, ready for the next one? Yes. This next one is a loaded hunting rifle. Yikes. In August 2014, an unsuspecting man in Calgary, Canada discovered an unsettling item between the fence and his garage. It was a plastic bag with a pillowcase inside, but instead, but inside the pillowcase was a loaded hunting rifle and a cell phone. What's up, murder weapon? The original owner of these items remains unknown. And how they ended up on hit on this man's property is anyone's guess. Oh. It's literally a complete mystery. I love uh, that. That's a burner cell phone. And
1: that's a murder weapon gun. That's, that's it. That's spooky
0: though. That's super spooky. Yikes. Okay. And the last one is literal, actual buried treasure. <gasps> oh treasure in 2007 <laughs> a man in austria was digging in his backyard when he made the casual discovery of a 650 year old buried treasure uh in- including a couple hundred rings some bro- uh brooches or yeah mm-hmm. brooches and lots of other bits and pieces worth a pretty penny the discovery was described as a fairy tale find by authorities, and the man, known only as Andreas K., has elected <laughs> to stay anonymous. I wonder how much it was altogether. It doesn't say. A hundred rings? Probably quite a bit. Oh, wait, that wasn't the last one. Sorry, I don't know why I said that was the last one. That, I still have two more. Okay. If that's cool. Yeah. Okay. The last one's funny, but this is the last one. Okay, so this next one is (laughs) Ancient Human Remains. In March 2014, I feel like all these are, like, either in 2007 or 2014. People just started digging recently. Yeah. A Salt Lake City, Utah boy. Oh, you know Salt Lake City, Utah boy. Mormon. (laughs) Mormon. Was digging up his backyard (laughs) pond when he found something completely unexpected, human bones. He called the police immediately and the bones were sent off to the state medical examiner for testing. Whoever was under the man's pond, they hadn't died recently. The bones belonged to a Native American who lived in Utah about a thousand years ago. Wow. Wow. That's really
1: cool, actually. So cool. Wow. thousand years. I would keep digging up my backyard to see if I could find anything else. More dead people.
0: We should all dig up our backyard. Yeah, you want to go dig up my backyard right now? I know where we can get a shovel. I might have a shovel. Okay, (laughs) and my last one. (laughs) Ready? Yes. Yeah. Okay, the last one is a cheetah, as in the animal.
1: Buried. I'll say, well...
0: In October 2008, a nine year old boy in the UK came running inside to tell his mother about the cheetah in the backyard. But shockingly, she didn't believe him. Uh, But as she glanced out the window of her kitchen, she realized he was telling the truth. The animal had found its way out of a sanctuary nearby, and luckily, The cheetah's keepers arrived shortly thereafter to take it back home. So it wasn't actually buried. It was just like in this person's backyard. I'm surprised that the kid freaking got out of there alive. Yeah, that's crazy. Cheetahs are the fastest animals ever.
1: (laughs) That boy is the fastest boy. (laughs) Where was this? Yeah.
0: In the UK. Interesting. They just got big cats running around out there. I guess. Okay, that's it. That was neat. Wow. I wonder if. I just wanted to do a fun little fun one because my life has been so stressful and depressing. I didn't really feel like researching something that was gonna make me sad. You
1: know what? That's okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So. Uh, gonna gonna plug our stuff.
0: Plug our stuff. Oh, it's been so long. What's our email? do we have an email uh, do we even remember anything anymore <laughs> it is bravegirlspodcast girls podcast at gmail.com yep that's it we are on twitter.com we're bravegirlspod. pod we are on instagram.com brave girls podcast we're on the facebook people keep tagging us and stuff thinking we're like a weird religious
1: group we're not <laughs> i was gonna bring that up <laughs> Uh, we should probably put podcast or like something at the end we could. of our name, just so people know. Yeah, maybe so. And e- even when we say like, "Hey, like, don't we're we're like a true crime podcast or like horror podcast or whatever," people like it's all old people that are tagging us, so they don't understand. Like, yeah. I don't think they get it. <laughs> Like, when we say, like, hey, wrong person,
0: I just don't get it. I'm not going to do it anymore, because last time I tried to tell a lady, she was real rude, remember? Uh, She said that, she was like, well, your lives are full of crime and death, and that's why you don't believe in God. (laughs) We were like, yeah, yeah, and? (laughs)
1: Okay, lady. I wonder what that uh, potato lady is up to, though.
0: Oh, yeah. It was the same lady. It was? Because I was like, hey, you got the wrong place, but good luck on your potato job. And she was like, you guys are murderers. (laughs) We were like, no. No, not quite. Hang on. Hang on one second. I got a knock at the door. Uh-oh. Who could it be now? (laughs) Hopefully I'm not going to get murdered. Who do you think Lindsay's door is? My guess is, um, Kyle. Come in. Is it Kyle and he just didn't want to make a bunch of noise coming in? Anyways, okay, continue. You're just letting a stranger in your house? No, it's Kyle. Okay. I win. Okay. I
1: think that's all of our stuff, though.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Our email is so that you can send us your campfire tales. Anything spooky you got. We've been getting Mm -hmm. them pretty consistently, even though we haven't been recording as much. So thanks a Mm -hmm. bunch. Mm-hmm. we'll put out another campfire tale soon also can I add that like just cause
1: we did dead deathbed confessions if you wanna send if you have those Ooh. if you have any just send it
0: to us that'd be cool if you have any deathbeds yeah. send pics <laughs> always <laughs> send wondered pics. what one looked like can we come stay the night in one yeah can I sleep
1: in your deathbed I actually uh-huh. can't that night whatever which one it is <laughs> I can't do it that night oh, um, that. Chris is busy <laughs> I'm busy but I'll sleep in your deathbed well, thanks for listening. Um, stay brave. around. Thanks for waiting for us. And,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye, everybody. See ya.